We need to talk about the motherhood penalty. A penalty that only mothers pay when they become parents. A penalty that strikes your lifetime earnings, your retirement savings and your career. A penalty that for me took me by surprise and off-ramped my first career. My name is Emma McLean and in this series we're going to do just that. We are going to talk all about the motherhood penalty. Get curious about the system that creates it and talk to experts about what we can do to smash it. It's going to be practical, punchy and peppered with laughter. A little like me. If this sounds good to you, let's get into it. Welcome to How to Smash the Motherhood Penalty, a podcast where we get curious about this thing called the motherhood penalty. But more importantly, we get curious about the ways we can smash it so that our children and their children never have to experience it. Today, I am delighted to be talking to Mala Lush. Mala is a dedicated mother social entrepreneur and the founder of Jobs for Mums, a social enterprise connecting parents and caregivers with flexible work opportunities in New Zealand. With a deep commitment to driving a movement for family-friendly work aligned with the UN Sustainable Development Goals, Mella is determined to smash the motherhood penalty one job at a time. And I am here for that. Hi, Emma. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm delighted to have you here. It's actually the very first time we have met in person. That's right. <laughs> I know. We've chatted heaps, but never. I feel like we sort of started our businesses at a similar time, which, you know, the best time to start one in a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it's really nice to meet you in person. I thought we'd just kick off. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. A little bit about your business. Yeah, tell us your story. Thank you, Emma. Look, so yeah, my name's Mella and I'm, my first role is I'm a mum of two under two. I've got a three-year-old and a nearly two-year-old and that's my first job. My second job is, like you mentioned, I'm a social entrepreneur and the business that I have started is called Jobs for Mums. Jobs for Mums is an accredited social enterprise and our mahi is about, you know, connecting parents and caregivers, not just mums, with flexible employment opportunities. The story behind it is, is unique in, in the sense that I remember when it first came to me, Emma, and I will be quite open and raw, and mm. I think that's really important. Mm. I was heavily pregnant with my second child and... I was I had a 1-year-old and my husband was going through quite a difficult mental health uh, period in his life and it was really tough you know I was a new mum and the load was quite heavy on me and previously I was you know really really mm. really career driven person and that was my identity mm. then when I became a mother it was still my identity but I'd almost lost grips of myself and I had a pretty wicked employer and they, they could see what I could bring and I'd worked for them for many years and they made it work and I made it work and it was, you know, it was really cool. But I joined mum groups at the time and I wasn't hearing the same story there. And what was determining a lot of people's journey back into employment mm. was this, 
this need for family-friendly employment mm. and flexibility. And it didn't matter what profession they were in. You know, my mum's my group, we've got doctors and HR professionals, mm. recruitment professionals. It didn't really matter at all how dedicated and motivated they were or what was really important to each and one of us was this understanding and the family-friendly, flexible employment. And what you were able to negotiate was, was determining whether you went back into what capacity. And then for those that didn't go back, the road back to employment was, a, was far more difficult because it was still really important for them to find that family-friendly employment. But the road to getting there was not as clear-cut. At the same time, I'd worked in leadership for a good, I think, six years, maybe more, I forget. I used to work uh, teaching leaders how to lead. And I was keeping tabs in my industry. And it's there where I, I heard that there was, you know, this, this massive $80 trillion, to be more precise, global skills shortage. And in my head, I thought, well, look, I could absolutely do two things here. I can help businesses find amazing candidates and smash the skills shortage. And at the time I was hearing, you know, Australia signing off millions of dollars of marketing budget recruiting people from New Zealand. Um, and here we have this amazing hidden workforce that is looking for flexible, family-friendly employment. And so I created the business in my living room with my babies at home. And I'm like that. I, I like to solve problems and I like to do the mahi and I, I try and challenge things that I don't see as being quite right. Hence where Jobs for Mums came from. A, a bit of a story of how we're here. There's, there's lots that I can tell you along mm. the way, but yeah. Whoa, when I, I hear you talk that back, it's, it's a, a story I hear that's so common from a lot of women founders, actually, which is businesses that are born out of personal lived experience and also spotting problems and being curious. And I love that, right? That it was a tough time in your life, but you were curious around how might it be better? Exactly. How might we build a better world? Exactly. And I guess having come from a leadership background, I'm really passionate about everybody bringing their authentic selves to work. Mm. And when I became a parent, it was very clear that that wasn't something that was everywhere. It wasn't, mm. you know, there was a lot of bias and I could see it in my f immediate family and friends. And that's what sort of triggered me to go, actually, I can solve this problem because I, I know that the answer is in leadership. I know that the answer is in education and there will be people out there that will understand. Mm, beautiful, amazing and brave. So brave to do that. And what I'm curious about myself yeah. and your journey to date, what's the thing you are most proud of in your business? I'm proud of it a lot because I always think about the days where I would just be in the living room with my kids, posting it on you know social media groups, trying to get awareness because I didn't have the marketing budget. Um, I'm proud of you know having helped over 300 people now. Amazing. Um, find amazing employers. And we're talking mm. with New Zealand's most family-friendly employers. And when you think about, you know, myself being, it was just a team of one for a long time. And then now I've got two other amazing co-founders. But 
originally it was just me and I can't believe that the three of us now have done that. And it's so cool because it wasn't driven by the monetary side of things. It was driven by the impact side of things. And so when I, you know, when things get tough, and they do get tough, you know, small businesses do, I just sit there and I think, remember, you know, there's 300 people that you've made a difference to. And that I'm really proud of. Mm-hmm. There's 300 families. Exactly. And I, I think something you can be incredibly proud of and the best is yet to come. Exactly, right? yeah. There's so much ahead. There's so much opportunity. So everyone, keep an eye out for Jobs for Mums. Make sure you register if you are looking for family-friendly work. And if you're an employer, get in touch. Yeah. Because we need employers that want to access this hidden workforce. It's exactly. We've got over <laughs> 7,000 people. Yeah. And we grow very quickly. You know, we awesome. get between 500 to 1,000 a month with all the partnerships and everything that's coming out. We're growing quickly. And so mm. now we just need employers, the number one comment that we get is, when are you going to get more jobs? Mm. And, you know, there's a small team which we're working really hard to get more jobs. and. Yep. We know it's just an education piece that we're embarking upon now. Love it. So when I say the words motherhood penalty, Mm -hmm. what comes up for you? So what comes up for me is I think it is the single most significant thing that you can do to your career. And I wouldn't have said that if you'd asked me three years ago. I would have, you know, having worked in leadership and knowing very well that there was not as many women leaders at the top and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. I knew the research, but it wasn't translating, you know. And then I became a parent and I was like, aha, I I understand now. And it's called the motherhood penalty. And it's defined as the systemic disadvantages that a mother encounters upon becoming a parent. According to the World Economic Forum, it is actually 80% of the gender pay gap. Mm. And so reporting is really important and is, you know, going to move the dial, but it's said to move the dial about 60%. We need to really smash that motherhood penalty in order for us to to get to equality. Mm. And the really interesting thing, you know, that I've experienced, well, I've, I've seen within Jobs for Mums is that it ultimately comes from unconscious bias or maybe conscious bias this concept that you're not as committed to your career once you become a parent or if you work part-time. Part-time roles seem to be less paid and less valued and there's not as much career progression. And I hear it, you know, because we get, we get a lot of job seekers come to us and they say things like, I was working full-time before, but my employer won't accommodate me working four days a week. And you think that's crazy, you know, and it's, it's a, this false perception that you're a mum, so you're less dedicated. Mm. And statistically speaking, you know, it's quantifiable, this gap. It's not like this mythical gap. Mm. We're seeing it. Mm. We're seeing it in superannuation. Well, there's lots of research out there that is saying that there is this bias that you're perceived as less committed to mm. someone that, you know, of equal experience and might be doing the same job as you because you're a parent. Mm. So it's been interesting for my end because I've always, yeah, I'm in the front line, I suppose. But it's also, it's actually built into the way that we work. And I can give you an example, Emma. 
Um, I was having coffee with a friend of mine. She's a senior lecturer at a top university here. I won't mention the university, but we were having a good yarn. And she said to me, I now have a job, not a career. And I said to her, what does that mean? Like, surely, you know, you've studied, you've got a PhD, you're, you're incredible, I know you. And, and she says to me, well, I had two kids, and so she uh, had them quite close together. She took the first one, I think it was 10 months, and the second one, it was seven months. And the issue with that is that in academia, you get promoted, and one of the criteria, which is a big criteria actually, is around the number of publications that you do. But if you take time off to, let's say, have a child, and she had two, she will never be able to catch up. Hence why she says to me, I now have a job, not a career, unless we can systemically change that. It shouldn't be based on the number of publications. If you have taken time off, and it isn't just for parents, can I just clarify? You know, we're basing these standards on a really dated way of working, right? Families have progressed. It's not, we're we're dynamic, we're all fluid now. And yeah, so it's just, we haven't moved forward. And Although I've called it Jobs for Mums, it's to raise awareness of the motherhood penalty. We work with everybody. Mm. And it's also prevalent in single-sex families, uh, same-sex families. You know, Mm. the motherhood penalty is still there. Mm. Mm. And it's to do with that care responsibility role. As a society and as a workforce and communities, we just need to understand that it's called the maternal wall. We shouldn't be hitting that every time. Whoa. So I'm just going to sit with that. There's so much gold in what you just said there. Oh, and I it definitely got shivers down my spine with you, with the conversation of, I think I now have a job, not a career. When I hear that from you, you know, the thing for me is, and you mentioned it right at the beginning, this often takes women by surprise. Because when we decide to have kids, it's not like we sit down with our partner and go, hey, honey, let's put my career back 10 years. <laughs> like exactly, we don't, yeah, we yeah. don't actually say that, but that's what that's what's going to happen. <laughs> and I think that, you know, this is why I want to be having this conversation. That a lot of the drivers behind the penalty you talk about, and it's one of the reasons why Jobs for Moms has been set up, which yeah. is amazing, is that you want to smash this. What I'm curious about is, what is it about the father's experience yeah. of having a career and a family, what is it that means that they are not getting penalised in the same way? Yeah, that's a really interesting question, Emma. And I don't know if all the listeners have heard, but there is something called a fatherhood bonus and the motherhood penalty. And the fatherhood bonus seems to be associated with competence, commitment. You know, if you're a father, then you're more committed to the job. And it's often associated with higher pay. And so I think it's a societal thing, you know, I think about 100 years ago when, you know, Henry Ford launched the nine to five work week, the man would go and work and then the woman would be working in parallel at home. And so I think there's remnants of that. I still do. I think it's also brought on by cultural factors. I think about it and I definitely think that there is more opportunities for men But it's not to say that they're not also having a hard time in terms of, and I put this down to, I guess, you know, when I was saying about the hundred years ago, one would work and have roles in parallel today. 
both parents are having to work. You know, we've got a massive mortgage, and so it's part of the 16-year cost of living, right? Mm. And what's happening is that ultimately it's leading to a lot of families and individuals, particularly women, but also men, burning out. Mm. And it's evident in the way that we're working, and I can give you an example. Let's talk about people that have school-aged children, for example. On average, I think you get, is it eight weeks of school holidays? Oh, I think it's 12 plus. 12 plus, I mean, yeah. yeah. They're not holidays, let's yeah. be clear. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, that's what I'm saying is that yeah, exactly. they're not actually holidays, but you as an employee mm. get four weeks off. Mm-hmm. And so even just doing the logistics of that, you're already on the back burner of mm. if you want to have any family time, what does that mean? If you want to take any time for you as a parent, what does that mean? Mm. And so I do think that families are struggling at the moment and both both sides because there is still a lag, especially in New Zealand. And I think about, you know, job architecture. It's a big conversation that I love to have because we just haven't moved past it. It's just so traditional and let's be honest, flexible working is only a thing because of COVID, right? And it wasn't a thing. I remember commuting nine months pregnant for two hours one way, you know, and there was no flexible working then, very rarely anyways. And it's now a new thing, but it's still not enough. And I think the great exit has taught us one thing is that there's obviously some issues here. The UN are doing great things and great work around this topic in terms of it's now part of the Sustainable Development Plan. Family-friendly employment is actually driving um, equity, uh, gender equity. It's reducing poverty. Mm. It's resulting in, you know, happier, healthier individuals because if you're feeling like you're able to meaningfully contribute to your family as well as your career, you're more likely to be more productive, happier, and more loyal. And so there's all these benefits. And in my view, I just think that we're just really behind. And this needs to be the movement that everyone should be jumping on. And I hear great movements all all around. Like I hear about the four-day work week, which is phenomenal. You know, I think about Andrew Barnes and what, you want, what they've done, which is so cool. But I'm going to say that it's really difficult for businesses. And businesses are really complex. They're really complex beasts. And so I don't see one movement prevailing. But what I do see, and logically, family-friendly employment should be a must or a really low-hanging fruit in terms of the opportunities that it brings for both businesses, job seekers or employees, and as well as society as a whole. And you don't even have to be that radical. And it's about providing both men and women benefits. Even small things make a world of difference, you know? Absolutely. Oh, love what you're putting out there. I mean, all of it. You're right. This is a system that doesn't work for anyone, right? Yeah. It's a system that I think fathers, if you were going to look at the financial aspect of it, yes. are winning out of. Yeah. But what about their mental health? Exactly. And that's, you know? yep, that's and, my experience with my husband mm, and the pressure. Mm, mm. And it feels like it's also how the workplace is failing mothers is how legislation is mm. failing fathers. Mm. You know, Mm. in terms Mm. of, and there's some amazing um, companies doing really great things. Let me be clear on that. Mm. And there's some great things happening as well Mm. with ECE being more affordable and, you know, well, being dropped down to two, which Which is is good. Because 
we are the most expensive in the OECD. We are. <laughs> we're really expensive. We are, yeah. aren't we? I think second to, yeah, we, no, we are first. We're, we're, yeah. We're, yeah, I think my understanding is we're the first. And I mean, that's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. another driver behind the motherhood penalty because Access, yeah. women aren't actually going back to work because they do the numbers and it doesn't work out. Exactly. And the other thing is, I suppose, with that is that you think about like the way we're living our lives and globalization. And, you know, the retirement age getting longer. And and so back in the day, maybe you had more support, maybe not, you know, mm. personal circumstances. But it means for a lot of people that they don't have, the, you know, the grandparents or the parents because they're working or they're overseas, like in my case, where both parents, both sets of parents are mostly overseas. And so... Mm. There's no support. And yes, you're right. Childcare is really expensive. I'm a big believer in, you know, not, not going backwards, but working out what it would look like for you together as a sum if you're a partner, you know, and figuring out because there are benefits to you working. I mean, for me, it's been mental health because I've got my sense of self back. I've got, not that I, I love my kids, don't get me wrong. And I love being a mum, but I love this side of me as well, and I've given myself full permission to be who I am. And, you know, even though that there's all these, the guilt that floats around everywhere, you know, Mm, mm. if you're a working parent, the, oh, your kids must miss you. And and if you're a stay-at-home parent, like, oh, do you not, you know? What do you do all day? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I can tell you as a mum of three, I know, it's not, you're not watching Netflix, FYI. No, hardest job in the world. <laughs> I love what you said, you know, I think about, you know, deciding to go back to work and um, making sure that you really look at the cost of childcare across both your salaries, right? Yes. We must do that. Yes. Because the, there's, it's not just the only implication of not going to back to work is that you don't have any money. It's more than that. Exactly. It's that, that you are not building your career. Exactly. That you are not building up your KiwiSaver, all that kind of stuff. Yes. So we must always look at it over across both salaries. I, I think that's really, really important. And there's a lot. There's a lot in it. And it, what I love about hearing you talk is, This stuff is complicated. You know, I can love my children and my job, you know, and we need to exist in this messy state of feeling guilty for being at work and then guilty when I'm letting my team down at home. This stuff is complicated and we can do it. Absolutely. We can move through it. Like I've been trying to unpack it a lot, actually especially with what surprised me with, you know, running your own business is that you have a lot, like I I do long, long hours. It is definitely a hustle in terms Mm. of managing it with kids and it's definitely not easy and a lot harder than it might. Well, I'm sure people know. A lot of people would be trying, you know, with freelance. But I suppose it's that guilt that has stayed with me, but I've experienced also failure in that, like, I think I want to talk about those two things because I think it's quite normal and what we see on social media is these amazing people that have amazing lives and seem to be doing it all and look amazing and, you know, working out and having kids. And But the reality is, is that it is really difficult and I don't, like, I don't pretend we have a balance. We, we talk a lot about work-life effectiveness and Sometimes, like you say, you know, the kids take priority. 
and other times work takes priority. And it is a juggle, but it's giving yourself permission to exist in that and being okay with that. And a lot of that guilt is that, you know, I should be with my kids or... I think there's a beautiful quote, and I don't remember it exactly, but it's from an Australian journalist called Annabelle Crabb. And I think she says that the the thing with working mums is that you're expected to work like you don't have kids and then parent like you don't work. And that is so true. And it's just so difficult and hard to live up to that standard. And, you know, no wonder. This this, this can't be that, you know, millions of people are feeling this parental guilt, you know? Absolutely. It's not possible. There's obviously something that is universal amongst us all, and I think Mm. it's the societal expectation to sort of sit in your box. And and then when you try, dare come out of it, you're also making, you know, you feel guilty for Mm. it, but you've got to give yourself permission. And I think the early part of my parenthood journey and working, I really just felt like a complete failure moments of I can't do this, like imposter syndrome, you name it. It was like, you know, really testing. But we've got so many thousands in that community and having daily conversations with people, it kind of opens up your eyes and you go, this is not a journey that I'm alone in. And this is not a journey that there's any shame in. It's just that guilt and shame go hand in hand. As a community, we just need to lift each other up. You know, there's no All parents are working parents. You're so on the money and so many people will find comfort in what you've just spoken about. Dr. Brene Brown says that shame can never survive being spoken about. We just need to talk about this stuff, right? This is hard. We do feel guilty. Let's talk about it because when we can talk about it, we can move through that feeling. So the motherhood penalty, a penalty that only mothers face into and my understanding, well, the way that I look at this, it's because we're working in a system, a system that's not actually working for anyone. So what I'm interested in is, what is the change you think we need to make as a society? What are some things you could call out that employers could be doing? I can guess what you might say there. (laughs) What are some of the things that, you know, people that are listening they could take positive action on in terms of trying to smash the system? I work a lot with employers and I think I mentioned before around rethinking little things especially, and you don't have, you know, the misconception that I don't have flexible policies, I'm not big enough. It doesn't have to be about having flexible policies. The reality is that for flexibility to work, it has to work for the employer, the employee, but also the customer. And so even within big organisations, you just, it's not possible to replicate an exact policy on flexibility. But instead, I encourage businesses especially to use this as to your advantage. You know, there's a, there's a trillion dollar, $80 trillion global skill shortage. So to, to really get ahead, you need to think about how you can provide a win-win to your employees. It's around rethinking how you're writing your job descriptions. Yes, to be more inclusive, but also more around, you know, let's think outside the box. What can you do? You know, could you work? Could that person work term time, which is, you know, Mm, something we offer? Job sharing is a great way. Returnships. What we know is that globally, because of open chat, GPT, and all these cool things that are coming out, that it's likely to cause between, I think it was 40 to 160 million women that are going to need transitional occupations. That's about 105,000 New Zealand women 
um, in the near future, they're going to need transitional occupations into higher skilled roles. And so I challenge, especially employers that have, you know, don't have the quite right ratios in those high earning, high growth sectors like the trades, the telcos, to create new pathways. And we're a great way of doing that into these, you know, high, highly skilled roles. And think about returnships because you do a lot of work in getting people from, you know, when you, you're at school and you're looking to get into a profession. Little is done when you're having a career break or looking after, you know, um, taking time off to raise families. And let's be clear that the careers are no longer linear and people want to change and they've got amazing transferable skills, especially parents and caregivers, let me tell you, are incredible in terms of the transferable skills that they bring. And also they're incredible in in all the skills they bring. We know that our community, 73% have 10 years of experience or more and 70% have a tertiary degree or higher. So we're talking about a highly skilled workforce that is just sitting there and your key to unlocking them is to be genuinely looking at how you can provide a win-win for them and for yourself. Love it. Tell me more about returnships. What are returnships that people know this? So returnships are very similar to internships. It's a, it's a paid placement program to get more people into back into the workforce. Mm. So we get a lot of teachers a lot of nurses, more more so teachers because there is still a nursing shortage, but we do get a lot of nurses. And the feedback that we get from them is that they're looking to transition away from teaching because it's not flexible enough for their families, which is, you know, on the outside in, you would have, it's, it's not what it looks like. There's a lot of extra work that goes into teaching. And so we get a lot of Women especially come to us and say, well, I'm looking for uh, transitional work. What do you have? And they're like, oh, I want to get into admin and all of these things. And But they're better off into getting into things like L&D and, you know, in, in still in their field but in a different light. And so returnship is basically a way for them to get into something that is different. It would be a paid return. So it's basically like paid training. So it's like internships. Would it also be for parents that are returning to the workforce and they feel like they've been a bit out of the loop and yes. they need to update their skills a bit more? Exactly that. Yeah. yeah. And there isn't enough. I mean, it's yeah. growing popularity overseas, but it will be bigger here because, mm. like I said, the world is changing. AI is here. Mm. And so whether we like it or not, we're going to need to revisit this again. I love that. And we need more of those. Every large corporate people team that is listening to this Please consider returnships. <laughs> We've got a great community. Yeah, People are still very traditional in how they recruit for roles. Unfortunately, you know, yeah. if they don't have the exact matching keywords. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess if I was going to summarize what you're saying for me, what you're asking for is more innovation in job architecture, 100%. job design, you yeah. know, like where are the job shares, where are the Reason. term time contracts, where are the returnships? That's for you. Exactly. Yeah. And absolutely. And as a society, raising awareness nice. of what we what we talk about here, but yep. um, speak out, you know, if, yep. if you see something within your organisation, if you know that it would be better, best for your family if you could negotiate something, speak to your employer. Yeah. Talk yeah. to them because like, we get a lot of, particularly women, we have men in our community as well, but who are afraid to ask yeah. for flexibility. 
they're afraid, they're, you know, don't be. And that's another problem we solve, I suppose. We sort of, people come to us and they feel confident that that employer is more family friendly because nice. they're listed on Jobs for Mums rather than on a Seek or a LinkedIn or a mm. Trade Me. I love that. I mean, I, I think, you know, possibly the, the actions that we can all take here are becoming more curious with our employers, yeah. asking the questions, full stop silence. You know, we don't have to have the solutions, but, you know, hey, how, how does job share work here? Hey, where is our returnship program? I think until we start asking these questions in a curious way, we're not going to get any change. Exactly. And we need to create the demand for this stuff. Exactly. And I th- and I, I, I really love your point about the confidence as well, because people are scared and it is. And, you know, when you return to work, if you just look at that specific moment of truth, you're already lacking in confidence, let alone knowing what you're going to be doing and anything like that. Like people are already going, wow, do I even know anything anymore? And they've only been out for six months, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think if we can all ask questions, you know, I think that's a great action. Get curious. How is your organisation innovating for job design? How are they creating part-time roles that are truly part-time? Absolutely. And the other point is around equal opportunities. Because I get this a lot, you know, you see employers being ad- advertising their equal opportunity employer. But what does that mean? Because... You know, it's not about treating everybody the same. It's about providing equal opportunities for everyone to shine, right? Mm. And it's making sure that the people that need that get that. Mm. And it's not just parents and caregivers. It's being, you know, open with everybody. Mm. But Mm. there is that challenge there because, in my view, if you're saying you're an equal opportunity employer, then that you're recognizing that not everyone's starting from the same starting line. And if you can accommodate or be open to providing that win-win for all your employees. Let me just make that clear for mm. all your employees. And mm. I think you're already winning and you're already ahead of the process of being really more family-friendly and approachable. Beautiful. So finally, my friend, it's where I get to issue you a magic wand oh. because I am uh, a fairy godmother. You know, if I could give you a magic wand, what is the one thing you think would have the biggest impact on smashing the motherhood penalty. And I want you to think really blue sky here. Is it legislation? Is it requiring all employers to do something? What do you think would have the biggest impact on ensuring that mothers are not facing into these penalties? Like, I wish I had. Do do you have it here? (laughs) (laughs) You're holding it, mate. (laughs) (laughs) That would be really ideal. It would make my life... Um, it would make my year, actually. And it, but your, your magic one might be that all employers use jobs for mums. Yeah, no? <laughs> use jobs for mums. Um, so I, I think maybe, like, if I'm logical about this question, then mm-hmm. maybe legislation is the answer because mm-hmm. you can legislate to have um, neutral parental leave policies. You can legislate family-friendly employment, you know. Mm. You can legislate no discrimination, which I know is already there, Mm. but also unconscious bias and, you know, you Mm. can legislate a lot. Mm. And so maybe if I had a magic wand, and I don't think it's as easy as that, obviously Mm. everything Mm. is complex and so Mm. you can't can't say it. It, There's always an opportunity cost, right? But I do believe that that there's a lot of things that you you have to do to fix this issue Mm. and... 
maybe that's the one mm. that mm. would help lift it the most. So if you were thinking about that, like is it gender-neutral paid parental leave for all or what? You, or is it more flexible working as they've just passed in the UK, you know, available for all jobs? Or yes. what, what is the change you think that will make the biggest difference? I mean, I would think all of them need to be done. Yeah. I think flexibility is important. It is really important. And I, th- I think now that we've had a taste of what we can do, mm. I think it doesn't make sense to bottle it up. Mm. You know, if, if you can do your work flexibility, obviously you can't everywhere. Mm. But it's more than just flexibility for me. It's definitely more family-friendly employment and looking at how you can provide that win-win. Because mm. I appreciate mm. that employers have barriers too, you know. Mm. And so it's really, and legislation, like, you know, I would love to see more support for dads. I really would. Mm. And incentivizing it in a different way, making it so that it's non-transferable for dads and you know, it's a lose it or use it policy rather than what we have now, which is mm. not much at all. I guess I can get more specific, but I think in my view, it's that it's a very, it's a big problem to solve. Mm. And um, legislation would, would help. Mm. And a lot of it is actually awareness, right? Because it's also on us. Once you know that there is a problem, just like any other issue, once you're aware of the, the fact that there is an issue, it's you're more conscious about it, you know, and you, you start thinking about things differently. So mm. awareness and education mm. is paramount, which is what you're doing here. Mm. Uh, so mm. I really want to thank you for that. I think that's really cool to be able to take something on like this and educate and I think it will be more and more commonplace in terms of people starting to know more about the motherhood penalty Mm. I think before you and I I didn't think I could hear anything in New Zealand Mm. I didn't didn't hear much anyways Mm. Mm. well and I think there is a lot of more people assembling there and and I will be talking to them on this podcast as well but I, I think there's a lot more people that are wanting to change the system. And and uh, yeah, I think that's awesome because it's a team sport. Absolutely. And, and we rise together. 100%. And we ride at dawn, my friends. <laughs> um, thank you so much. How can people get hold of you? You can email me at melalash at jobsformums.co.nz. You can visit our website, www.jobsformums.co.nz. We've got some great new initiatives from free support to job seekers. Mm-hmm to free placement programs for employers. We've got a job board. We've got a ton of other initiatives that we are launching to be able to help more and more people find employment and employers find some amazing people. So Awesome. You've got a lot. I think people should be doing that and we will put that all in the show notes. I will also put in the show notes things that Mila was referencing Annabelle Crabb wrote a fantastic book called The Wife Drought, so I will put a link to that in the show notes. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. As I say, we're going to get there together. Absolutely. And I that's why I want to talk to people. It's why I'm an advocate for everyone working in this space. Absolutely. I This is not about one person at the top. This no, is about a lot of people supporting each other. So Absolutely. thank you. Thank you, Emma. You're amazing. Thank you. This podcast was funded by Works For Everyone, a business that is dedicated to supporting working parents and to smashing the motherhood penalty. If this is also your jam, let's stay connected. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Just look for us, Works For Everyone. And if you want more information on how we help businesses put a care wrap around their employees, check us out on worksforeveryone.co.nz. 
Or if none of these work for you, in the weekends you can find me, Emma McLean, the founder of Works For Everyone, in the queue at Pack and Save Royal Oak or Kmart St Luke's. Onwards!